0: Welcome to Supply Circles, stories from the innovators, disruptors and improvers in supply chain management today. Brought to you by AI Group.
1: Well, hello, this is Supply Circles and I'm James Scotland, the General Manager of Supply Chains at the Australian Industry Group. Today, we're going to talk about decarbonisation. We're going to talk about the really big issues, the global issues. And to help me do that is my friend and colleague, Tenet Reid. It's always good to talk to Tennant. He is the Head of Environment and Energy at Australian Industry Group. Uh, He is my co-host on the other AI group podcast that we do called What on Earth, where we talk about the transition to decarbon and uh, zero carbon. And he is uh, this year been named one of the top 100 uh, influencers in this area. So it's good to have you on the show, Tennant. How are you? It's good to be with you, and uh, I'm a lot better than I was a couple of weeks ago
0: when my whole family came down with COVID. Say what? Are you okay? I am now. Uh, None of us was ever in danger of going to the hospital, but it was the worst bout of illness that any of us can recall. So,
1: onward and upward. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. I didn't know that. That's so. Uh, well, I'm glad you're feeling better because you're going to be travelling overseas soon. You're going to go to Egypt. I want to talk to you about that trip. In actual fact, uh, that trip is to go to COP27, and to put that into context, uh, for the last 27 years, well, I think it's actually 28 because of a year off due to COVID. Uh, the United Nations have convened a conference of the world's nations for the purpose of creating a universal agreement to limit the ever-increasing average global warming. Uh, In 1992, countries joined an international treaty called the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, the UNFCCC, I'm sure it's not called that, as a framework for international cooperation to quote, combat climate change by limiting average global temperature increases. And coping with impacts that were by then inevitable. By 1995 uh, the country started negotiating how to do this and two years later many countries adopted what became known as the Kyoto Protocol, a protocol that legally binds developed countries uh, that were a party to the agreement Mm. to reduce emission reduction targets. Now these parties to the agreement is known as the Conference of Parties. It's held every year and so uh, this being the 27th time it's been held, it's called the COP27. Uh, you're going to COP. There's been a number of big COPs. There's been the Kyoto Protocol. There's been the Paris Agreement. Hmm. Uh, last year, it was in Glasgow. Uh, this year, it is in a delightfully named place called Sharm El Sheikh in Egypt. Yep. Have I explained COP correctly? Well, what's, tell, tell us your version of it because you're closer to it than I am. So COP is a lot of things. Its its primary function, like you
0: said, is the place where the the parties to these big international agreements come together to negotiate more, uh, to try and extend and uh, perfect those agreements. But it's also where uh, stakeholders from business, from the environment, uh, the environmental community. Uh, farmers, unions, uh, scientists and many others come together to watch and to try to influence that formal negotiations process. And then it's like a, a convention where everybody who's uh, interested in climate issues comes and, and s- just swaps information. Uh, there's amazing side events where you can hear from Nobel Prize-winning scientists, or eminent uh, economists, or uh, business leaders, or people who are you know on the ground in uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, or in uh, small island developing states, or, or, or elsewhere, um, experiencing. Climate change, or uh, working to transition um, their their home economies, or doing any even over a thousand other fascinating things. So they're a pretty big deal. These cops, and these days, tens of thousands of people are at them.
1: Is that right? Yeah, it's a big deal. But I think there's uh, several different streams, isn't there? There's like the environment stream and what it's going to look like when we have decarbonized the, the built environment, and then there's the energy stream, which I guess that you're mainly involved in. And last year they said there should be a leadership stream. It's about global leadership. We've taken a bit of a step since last year with uh, Australia signing up to uh, net zero by 2050, uh, and Americans have done a few, the US have done a few things since then. I have. Is uh, is it hard to understand what's going on? Is it like this big crazy week, or, or oh, is it yeah. two weeks, it's, or like what
0: is it? So the the um the formal uh, cop program runs for two weeks, and they will be they will be busy weeks. They'll be uh maybe the Sunday in the middle will be a day off, but probably not. Um, certainly not for the negotiators themselves. There'll be a lot of informal 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 discussions and consultations going on during that time. Uh, but the the rest of it is there's just so many things going on, journalists everywhere, activists everywhere business people, diplomats, uh, senior ministers uh, from uh, from uh, most of the countries of the world. Joe Biden's going to drop in on this one for a, a day or two. Uh, Australia's uh, climate and energy minister, Chris Bowen, will be there in week two with his assistant minister, Jenny McAllister. And there's just it, it is very hard to keep track of what's going on at one of these cops. So when I go... I tend to focus on one or two issues that are um, at play in the negotiations, and I try and get along to a good spread of side events to, to, to just take the take the temperature, if you will, of um, of, of business movements, scientific understanding. Um, get a better understanding of what's going on in some major economies that. Uh, are pretty important to how we're doing on climate. China usually has a terrific program of um, of speakers at its pavilion, and they're not streamed, uh, so you you've got to go there and and get in uh, and uh, and hand over your accreditation uh, so that uh, they know who you are. Uh, a couple of years ago, well, more than a couple now. I was uh, I was tweeting away my notes of um, the interesting things being said by uh, by prominent economists from China and and elsewhere at one of these Chinese events, and uh, somebody from the 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 secretariat uh, the, the the Chinese delegation uh, came up and said, "Who are you?" <laughs> What 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 are you doing here? And I don't know if they were following my tweets uh, or just seeing that I was tweeting a lot, uh, but uh, but they were very curious. Mm. But it's just it's an unrivalled place to go to try and uh, you know, sip from the fire hose of information to find out what's going on and where things are at in all aspects of the the global effort against climate change.
1: Well, who doesn't like waking up in the morning and you know having a cup of coffee with a couple of Nobel Prize Nobel Prize winners and a yeah, few and you bump into
0: amazing people just in the corridors,
1: especially mm. towards
0: the end when you know things things get a bit crazy. Um, so yeah, it's it's a, a terrific experience for climate nerds, um, but a, a pretty interesting
1: experience for anyone, I think. How does a um, a young smart nerd from Melbourne end up in a uh, cop? So uh, the
0: first cop that I really engaged with was uh, the Copenhagen cop uh, back in 2009. And if uh, if listeners remember this one, they probably remember it as an enormous disappointment. But... Um, oh, what did you do, Tennant? I swear it wasn't <laughs> me. I couldn't even be there. I I had to monitor it from afar, because yeah. uh, 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 my child had been born uh, a short while before, and yeah. um, and was actually in the hospital uh, for pyloric stenosis when the the cop was running, which is is uh, not something you want to you want to leave your
1: your partner to right. deal with. Well, but it search. does absolve you of all responsibility for Copenhagen being a failure.
0: Well, I, um, you know, Australia uh, had just been through, in fact, we, we were not quite done with, a wrenching debate about the carbon pollution reduction scheme and the the imminence of Copenhagen, uh, where there was a. Is hope this, is this world- like
1: Gillard or Rudd? Era? This was Rudd. Rudd. Um, Rudd. Uh, at at this time. right? Is that when he took the 270 people with him by plane or something?
0: He he took a significant delegation and and Australia, you know, played a very active role in that COP. The hope was that that was going to be the one where a post-Kyoto agreement was struck that would bring all countries into uh, the expectation of making commitments on reducing emissions Uh, because, as you said, um, Kyoto was a, it was an important milestone but it only set emissions reduction targets or control targets for developed countries and not every developed country signed up uh, mm. the United States never ratified Kyoto Australia didn't ratify Kyoto until um, 12 years later. Mm. Uh, or just about, and uh, so uh, it didn't impose obligations on countries where the the major uh, expected potential growth in emissions was going to take place.
1: Yeah,
0: so it's explains,
1: it explains how complicated this is, doesn't it? You know, oh, absolutely, it's hard to get anything done you know, in a global. Well, it is.
0: So, and and the the thing that makes it. Um, well, one of the things that makes it especially hard is that uh, agreements are struck by consensus in the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change. There's, there's provision for um, the conference of the parties to adopt a, a different uh, decision-making procedure other than consensus, but they've never got consensus to adopt a different procedure. So consensus it is, and that's a high bar. When you've mm. got more than 190 parties, mm. and they've got often a very different view of the world, very different material circumstances, um, it is it is tough to get agreement. And in Copenhagen, agreement was not achieved uh, because uh, I mean there was a, there was dissension and and grumpiness all over the place, but um, most materially. Uh, a, a small group of um, Bolivarian socialist countries uh, decided that they would not accept the adoption of the uh, fairly light and and um, and weak uh, agreement that had just been kind of stumbled over the line by the the, the major parties. Um, so, you know, a, a handful of countries blocked the adoption of the the weak compromise and the result was years of the, the whole process trying to pick itself up uh, and um, prove that it was actually viable to do
1: multilateral diplomacy on climate.
0: Paris oh my- just about got there.
1: And Yeah, uh, on the good side, there's what 193, I think, countries signed up now. Then the only major polluted withholding is Iran, if my information is correct. So yep. things are happening. It is, it is coming together, despite the the messiness of global agreement.
0: Yes. So, uh, like Paris is a big deal. The Paris Agreement does bring all economies uh, that. They're going to make a difference to mitigation into one tent. Uh, It requires everybody to make commitments. Now, the one of the critical things that helped that agreement come about is that while everybody has to make a commitment, the commitments themselves, they don't purport to be binding in some kind of hard law, blue-helmeted, UN troopers rappel through your parliament's windows and take you a prisoner if you don't meet your targets. Like, it's nothing like that. Kyoto did purport to be binding. But what happened when a major economy, uh, Canada, realised it wasn't going to come anywhere near meeting its targets Um rather than stick around for the quote-unquote punishment of um, getting a tougher target in the the second commitment period, they just left the Kyoto Protocol and, like, nobody could stop them. So the Paris Agreement, it, it has this more um, mutual confidence building uh, and, and like, peer pressure in some ways, theory of change, and so far at least it's like it's it's going okay everybody's in commitments are being made commitments are being upgraded which is very crucial um, everybody knew that the original paris commitments were not going to be enough to keep global warming to well below 2 degrees let alone 1.5 degrees which is the the, the goal that gets m- more focused now still not universal agreement that that is the real goal to aim for but um, the, the the process is delivering some results. But, you know, it hasn't delivered the result. Climate change is not a solved problem, um,
1: but we are making progress. A couple of good things that you mentioned. One is, is that a lot of people that are at these things are business people. It is not just the political or the social uh, conversation about carbon. There is some yeah. hard... Um, business leaders there who are negotiating how we're going to keep it at 1.5 by running our businesses. So when we come back, I want to talk about that. I think uh, I distracted you a little bit. How did you end up being involved in in COP? It seems like a a long way from the world, but I guess we're not. We're we're part of it, aren't we? Yeah. So I think for Australian industry,
0: one of the issues that's been – most at stake in these negotiations and, and it's the one that I've been um, sent to several COPs to, to, to monitor and, and try and um, uh, help um, Australia play um, a, a positive role is international emissions trading. That is, mm-hmm. can Australia access or maybe supply abatement um, in international markets? Um, because there's this long-standing view from economists that uh, different countries are going to have very different costs of abatement. Some countries will have much more opportunity at a lower cost to reduce emissions or sequester emissions. Uh, others will have a tougher time of it. And anytime you've got those huge differences, there's the potential for gains from trade. Uh, for those who, who uh, can, to uh, be paid to by those who can't. Um, and so the rules for this, whether uh, there would be a, a strong, credible set of international markets... Uh, that, that we can have confidence in the, the reality of um, the abatement or the emissions units that are being traded and whether Australia would choose to be open to that have been big issues for us for a long time. So, basically, um, while there's a lot to be learned there, the sort of the operative thing has been to, to go there as a representative of, of Australian business to put both to our own delegation and to uh, other stakeholders, views on like the importance of getting rules done that enable uh, a, a strong, credible and vibrant global carbon market to emerge. And some progress has been made there too.
1: Yeah. But it's a business issue, and that's the point, isn't it? There's a lot to do with how this will affect our supply chains and our business. When we come back, uh, let's find out what you'll actually be doing this time and what is will this be a big Kyoto or Paris-type agreement or one of the normal ones?
0: If you have supply chain or business improvement challenges, contact AI Group's Business Improvement and Growth Hub. The big hub is a library of practical and relevant resources designed to assist member businesses to grow and improve the big hub also includes an extensive network of experienced pre-qualified business improvement consultants for more details contact big at aigroup.com.au that's b-i-g at aigroup.com.au
1: Tanit, we talked before about kyoto being um, a big one. Uh, Paris Agreement being a big one is Sharm El Sheikh going to be uh, a big one? So Sharm El Sheikh is uh, not a
0: milestone COP; it is a working COP. Uh, there's a, a few tricky issues to be worked through over the next couple of years, and uh, I think we are going to see some um, some tough conversations at Sharm. I think we're going to see some important. Uh, side uh, agreements and side work, uh, both between um, smaller groups of countries and uh, between uh, businesses and governments. Uh, but you know, the the Glasgow COP um, signed off on the Glasgow Climate Pact. That was a that was a lot of work. Uh, this is a stepping stone to milestones in a couple of years' time. Um, But there's some big issues that are going to be in focus this time and they are not mostly around the the thing that uh, I think most of us in Australia tend to think of around these climate negotiations is emissions reduction targets, what's called mitigation of climate change. That was a huge part of the focus at Glasgow. What's going to come more into view at this one is adaptation, loss and damage and finance, uh, which are terms of art we can go into, but it's more about however much uh, we do to reduce emissions from this point on we are already experiencing significant climate impacts and we are going to experience more so how do countries deal with that how do we address the uh, the really serious human and economic impacts of that and who pays and those are pretty complicated issues. Uh, they're, they're complicated within a country. When you have 190 countries and huge disparities between the developed and the developing worlds, it's even more complicated. So it's it's going to be a tough one.
1: Also complicating it must be the energy crisis, uh, you, the Russian-Ukraine yeah. uh, invasion or the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the lack of available fuel throughout Europe and Africa. Yep. Inflation causing that, that must be overriding or underpinning all the discussions that happen this year. So that is going to have at least
0: two big effects on these discussions. One is the impact on global energy markets, and that—that that is very serious. Uh, I think that in the medium term, the events around the invasion of Ukraine Uh, are probably going to, on balance, accelerate energy transition uh, and the medium and long-term reduction of emissions, reduction of demand for fossil fuels. But in the short term, uh, emissions are going up because countries that are facing constrained access to gas are looking for whatever they can get to keep the lights on or to keep houses warm. Uh, And so coal consumption is going up. Uh, the, the retirement of older coal-fired power stations is being delayed. Uh, it is a uh, it's a very difficult time, and uh, there are many priorities to be balanced. The other impact, though, that that conflict is going to have is that Russia and Ukraine are parties. Uh, at these negotiations, the confrontation between Russia and the the broader West over Ukraine is going to be a significant dynamic, making it more complicated to not just to make overall progress, but like uh, when I go and observe these negotiations, when a party wants to chew up the available time by making a bunch of statements uh, or objections or, or interventions uh, that are really about making a political point, they they have many opportunities to do so. And I think that these negotiations are going to be made much more difficult by those tensions. And, of course, those aren't the only tensions uh, at, at work in the world today. We've got a, a much more difficult relationship between the United States and China uh, than we did a couple of years ago. Uh, and I think that's going to come to the fore as well. And then, of course, you've got the, the differences of view between developing countries broadly uh, who are saying, well, we didn't cause the climate problem, uh, but you, you're asking us to constrain emissions, uh, to change, to, to not grow in the way that Western countries did. So what are you going to do for us? And developed countries have made some financial commitments to help in the past that they've done significant things towards but they haven't met the letter of what they committed to around the the amount of finance uh, or how accessible it was going to be
1: you know that's a that's an interesting point what I, I it just occurred to me that this cop is in saudi arabia which As is a Egy- country that That's oh, in egypt that's right yeah no sorry i was thinking um, Saudi Arabia made all their money out of coal, <laughs> out of, of carbon, sorry, but no, it's in Egypt. Yes, yes. sorry. Next uh, year's is in the United Arab Emirates. So, But they're well, making significant steps towards uh, uh, reducing their carbon footprint, aren't they, the UAE? Uh, yeah. There's a lot of uh, clean tech
0: investment. There's a lot, you know, mm. like, frankly, mm. there's a lot of clean tech investment these days uh, from Saudi Arabia too. Um, right. Saudi Arabia would like to be the Saudi Arabia of hydrogen. Uh, mm. a, a lot
1: of places sense. would like to be the Saudi Arabia <laughs> of hydrogen. If I'm, uh, well, I am. If, if 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 I'm a business person and I'm the TV on in uh, a few days' time, I will see um, President Biden and, and our Prime Minister and the Prime Minister of Canada and a bunch of world leaders who happens to whoever whoever happens to be the uh, Prime Minister of England on that particular day, or the UK will be there. Um, but that's not the big deal. Well, that's just all the you know the the heads of nations meeting. What do I look for in the press that comes out of uh, of this conference? What, as a business person, what am I looking for? What am I trying to understand? I think the
0: um, the most important things to look for this time uh, will probably not be the um, the formal outputs of the negotiations because they're going to be quite technical. Uh, in, in many aspects, they're going to be um, uh, progress markers towards a, um, a larger agreement down the track. Uh, what's going to be most important, I think, is what global businesses are. Uh, Uh, announcing and committing to on the sidelines of this meeting, Uh, what's going to be just as important is the progress and the evidence of uh, of policy effort that major economies are um, are disclosing uh, at these events. So there's been uh, a lift in the ambition of um, emissions reduction uh, and the the policies and the investments to achieve it from a lot of economies over the past couple of years, what are they going to bring uh, to as 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 evidence of that and to to show their bona fides? I think we're going to hear a lot from the United States at uh, this meeting about what it's doing uh, through their inflation reduction act, which is a truly colossal piece of legislation, hundreds of billions of dollars. Uh, committed to all forms of clean energy and accelerating transition for the United States. Uh, also some, some tricky stuff in there, some, some dicey stuff in there about international trade and, uh, trying to clamp down on, um, on support. Trying to trying to avoid American government support uh, going to countries that uh, or, or products from countries that the United States doesn't trust. Uh, so we're going to see, I think, as well some some clashes over trade uh, making their way into this dialogue. Now that's not formally on the agenda. Uh, but the the atmospherics and the uh, the way that different coalitions of countries come together or don't, I think will be pretty telling. So there's a, there's going to be a lot to look to. I think we're going to have some good news stories from what uh, what business and what nations are doing. I I would expect a pretty contested and scratchy. Negotiation, though, I think that formal part of it is going to be very
1: difficult. So we're going to see the world leaders turn up and shake hands, have photos, and have some not meetings. A, then we're going not to as see- many as last year because it's right, so it's, well, it's well, it's not
0: um, the the, the Glasgow COP was uh, very unusual in the emphasis on get all the leaders there, have them there from the start, yep. make them set the tone for the whole event. Uh, this time we'll have a we'll have a few. We'll certainly have a lot of ministers, uh, mm-hmm. but even though it's in a an international resort uh, with with a lot of um, uh, scuba diving on offer, this is not a destination
1: cop. This is a <laughs> uh, this is a working cop. Fair enough. So we're going to have uh, the leaders turn up anyway, take some photos. Then there's going to be 195 or six countries all trying to negotiate and reach some sort of agreement. On top of that or under underpinning that is the uh, uh, the energy crisis and then, as you just said, then throw in a few, um, a few trade issues just to make life interesting. But around all that, uh, business people and scientists and uh Rose scholars and Nobel Prize winners, all actually getting work done and making agreements that will eventually feed down into how my business is operates. Is is that a fair assessment? Yeah, there's uh, there's
0: a lot of interesting stuff that happens around uh, around these events. So last time, uh, the uh, major announcements included. Uh, the uh, the first movers coalition uh, brought together by the World Econo- Economic Forum and the US State Department, which involved major global businesses committing to be uh, foundational clients or, or customers or demand sources for a bunch of clean products that – Uh, they have a cost premium or they will have a cost premium until they have become more widely adopted. And so having customers commit to buying uh, clean cars, uh, to purchasing clean shipping services, uh, Mm. having uh, demand for uh, low or zero emissions aviation or steel, the the demand that these major global businesses can bring to bear uh, is a, is an essential part of enabling investment in supply. Uh, so that was a, a an announcement that uh, you know a, a number of important businesses participated in will have implications for a lot more businesses over the years to come, and we'll be looking for uh, the, the those sorts of initiatives uh, the. Countries that have been coming together in the global methane pledge and uh, the, uh, that, that um, sort of, of side agreement to uh, make progress on a particular piece of the climate challenge is something that uh, is coordinated to, to um, function alongside the 190-plus parties part of these COPs. Uh, but those agreements can be very productive. And there's a question mark with, for Australia, whether Australia will join the methane reduction pledge, which uh, potentially impacts or certainly affects uh, our agricultural sector. Mm-hmm. As, uh, a big chunk of our methane emissions are burped out by cattle and sheep, uh, but it affects our um, gas and coal mm-hmm. production sector mm-hmm. too. Because uh, there's a lot of fugitive methane from mines and wells and pipelines, and uh, it looks like maybe Australia will join that. Uh, if so, that will have um, some significant interest from several pieces of our economy.
1: My goodness, what a roller coaster! Uh, two weeks of, of roller coaster emotions, no doubt. Some some great, some bad, some frustrating. Um, it will be a hell of a ride, Tennant. Uh, I think we will talk some more about this on the other podcast. So, uh, what on earth when you get back from, from there? But I wish you all the best. Now, if anyone happens to be passing by, it's held at the Sharm El Sheikh International Convention Centre on El Salam Road in Sharm El Sheikh. See, I did my research. Thing. Um, I, uh, I, I imagine that you'll get there by hiring a dhow and sailing down the Nile with your pith helmet in place and your Australian flag in in hand. Uh, But I imagine that's just in my mind. (laughs) How do you get to Sharm El Sheikh? Uh, So Sharm El Sheikh is a
0: a resort town. Uh, It has uh, a a thriving uh, tourism industry, but of the, uh, I think, Lie around, sunbaking, or, or or go for a swim. Variety, not the sea. Historical, cultural treasures. Yeah. Variety, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, but I'll I'll be flying there. Uh, I'll be uh, in an Airbnb for a couple of weeks, and uh, I, I if I'm if I'm all all is going well, I'll have a couple of days to look around Cairo at the end. Oh, okay,
1: nice. Have you been there before? I uh, never, never. So no. um, I'm I'm no, excited. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, I wish you all the best. I, uh, I look forward to someone s- saying uh, when you're speaking to that, those two Nobel Prize winners have been coffee. I look forward to someone saying, who who are those people with tenant? <laughs> 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 Thank you, my friend. It's been good chatting. See you soon.